0: Welcome to Songs That Don't Suck. My name is Mark, and I'm going to be your host for this musical discovery adventure that we are about to go on together. This is episode zero. And the reason I'm doing episode zero is, well, there's two reasons. One, I'm super excited for this podcast. And... While I've announced that January 2nd is the first episode that is going to drop, I was like, you know what, Mark? The audience needs to know who you are, because if there is no context to who you are and why you're doing this, then I think the meaning is going to be lost. So this is episode zero and I want to give you my musical background the experiences that have formed me and molded me to who I am today and why this podcast is so exciting for me. So my earliest musical experiences or memories were the sounds of Motown. My parents are British and you would have thought that maybe I would have been raised on the British invasion and a lot of those Mersey Beat artists, but that was not the case. Um, My mom was really into Motown. In fact, she still is. And I remember listening to Diana Ross and the Supremes, the Temptations, the Four Tops, um, you know, the the rest of those uh, Motown artists, you know, and... I mean, that was really when I was really young, like before kindergarten, I have these memories of of hearing those vinyl records playing in our living room. As I got older, I just listened to basic pop radio, you know, through through the early and mid 80s. And in the summer of 86, uh, we were on a trip visiting family in England and my cousin, who was learning how to play guitar at the time, he's a couple years older than I am, we were staying at their house, and he had all of these vinyl records with these amazing covers. These, uh, these covers were from a band called Iron Maiden. Now, I had never heard Iron Maiden before, but my cousin put on, um, I think it was Number of the Beast, was the first album that he he put on for me and this was stuff i had never heard before it was mind blowing for someone who was 10 11 12 years old and i was hooked so i actually on that trip uh we went to the high street where the stores were and i found a music store and i had you know a few dollars in my pocket all well, a few pounds i guess and I purchased my first piece of music, which was Iron Maiden's Live After Death, which was their live album that they had recorded at uh, Long Beach Arena in California, as well as uh, the Hammersmith in London. And that was the beginning of what I will consider my musical journey. Um, I also vividly remember prior to that... Um, watching uh, MTV when it launched. The day it launched, I was watching the Buggles uh, with Video Killed the Radio Star. Very vivid memory of that happening. And I miss the days when MTV played music, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But so after that trip where I purchased the Iron Maiden CD, shortly after that, um, I actually started playing drums in school. Uh, you know, just playing snare drum, learning to read music, but not really learning to read music, um, which came later. But, uh, a couple years after I started playing that, I started teaching myself how to play drum set. Um, and then I formed my first band, uh, original band, um, in 1991 or 1992. Uh, my memory is not that great when it comes to those types of things. Um, but, you know, we weren't even playing. We've played covers every now and then, but we were writing our own songs. We had about four songs, five songs that we had written, um, which were horrible. But, you know, we're high school kids and this, these were the first songs we wrote. Uh, also, in 1992, I actually went to my first concert. Call me a late bloomer, um, but my parents are older. I'm the youngest child and they were not ones to go to concerts and definitely not to take me to concerts. Uh, my older brother not a big concert goer. Um, I don't even know that he's a big music fan, to be honest. Um, it's not one of those things we talk about. Anyway, that first concert, um, and it, I should probably call it a concert very loosely. It was a show in a bar in Dayton, Ohio, um, but the artist was Stu Ham and the urge. Now, if you recognize the name Stu Ham, you probably know him better as the bassist for guitar players like Steve Vai and Joe Satriani. Um, this was an amazing show. There's probably 200 people in this bar, but Stu Ham is an amazing musician, and especially to see live. Um, the fun addition to this show was the fact that the person who took us was the director of the stage band for the show choir. Her cousin played drums in Stu's band, so afterwards we got to meet him and hang out on their tour bus. Another fun fact is he uh, toured with Blue Oyster Cult and he now produces music uh, in New York City. And it's really funny because I had that memory pop up of that whole moment of the first show and I found him on LinkedIn and I sent him a message and I said, hey, you probably don't remember me, but I showed up to a concert in Dayton, Ohio with your cousin and got to meet you backstage when I was in high school and it was one of those moments that just kind of has always stuck with me. And I just wanted to say, thank you, you know, 30 years later. And, um, he actually sent me a message back and he's like, I totally remember that night because his cousin was there. It probably helped. Um, but you know, validation that my memory was, was awesome and just really cool to connect with him again. Um, but anyway, uh, I digress, um, So I mentioned that uh, the director of the stage band for the show choir took us to this concert. That was one of the things I did in high school. I played drum set for the show choir. I was obviously in marching band, concert band. I played in the basketball pep band. Um, And after high school, at this point, I loved music so much. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a band director. I'm going to coach or (laughs) coach. I'm going to teach marching band and concert band um, because I think that would be fun. Now... Little did I know that entering college as a music major comes with challenges. Now, if you're a trumpet player or a trombone player, you are going to play trumpet or trombone. You might have to take a winds class to learn some basics about wind instruments, um, maybe a basic percussions methods, but mostly you're playing your instrument. Now, if you enter as a percussion major, You learn all of the battery, which is your snare drums, bass drum, timpani, basically anything you hit with a stick. You also learn all of the keyboard instruments. So your marimbas, your xylophones, your glockenspiels, your vibraphones, etc., etc. You also learn all the hand percussion and ethnic percussion. You also learn steel drum. There's a lot of practice involved. And for me, who was probably not as disciplined as I needed to be to be successful there. Ended up changing my major after the first year. Um, Mainly because I wanted to experience more college than the inside of a practice room 8 to 12 hours a day, plus going to class. So I switched to computers. That's another conversation altogether, but it's allowed me to do some other things. So after college... Um, and I didn't, okay, here's one of my regrets from college. I never started a band in college and I wish I would have, because I think that would have been a lot of fun playing the local college bars, um, writing music, doing all the things that college bands do, but I didn't do that after college. However, shortly after, um, I joined my second band. Um, and since then I've been in, I think it's about 10. 10 different groups, either playing with singer-songwriters or playing in bands. And I've been lucky to release a fair bit of music, um, which is actually available on Spotify today, Um, which I'll include a link if anybody is morbidly interested about the type of music I've played over the last 20-ish years have at it. Um, So check the show notes for that link. Now, those bands varied in what genre they were, Um, all rock-based, but some were more folky, some were more progressive, some were more bluesy. Um, It just depended, really. But like that, I've always had a very broad taste in music. Um, Now, at one point, I had a collection of physical music media so cds cassettes vinyl whatever that numbered in the thousands and it was across all the genres right classical jazz country pop rock independent um local bands hip-hop rap you name it i listened to it um and these all came in phases you know I've always dabbled, but I would definitely have phases where I was very heavy into certain types of music. So in high school, um, dominated by your hair bands, um, your metal bands, and most Saturday nights, you'd find me watching MTV's Headbangers Ball, you know, catching all the latest videos, finding new artists, things of that nature. In college, I got really into grunge and country, oddly. So, the Seattle sound and basically the Garth Brooks heavy era of country. Um, It was a weird time. Now, after college, I got really into more folky artists, singer songwriters, that type of stuff. Um, And because I was working full time, had some money to burn, I would do a lot of kind of neighboring city concerts, like. Anything within a six-hour radius, or sometimes a little more, I would drive to to see some of my favorite artists. It was a good time. Now, the reason I did that is because I'm a huge fan of live music. I started late, as I mentioned. Um, I have made up for it in spades. um, Because I have come to view live music as a sacred space, and I've really started to understand that about myself, over the last two and a half three years um, when everything was shut down during the pandemic um, i was longing for live music and it was so good when concerts started happening again and i was hungry and i started just going to concerts um and it's been fantastic but it is a sacred space uh, for me and no matter what's going on in my life I can go and spend a couple of hours really focused on that live music experience, and I am not thinking about anything else. Now, over the years, I've, I've lost count with the number of shows that I've been to. Um, that's how much I made up for my slow start. Um, but there are bands uh, that I have seen upwards of 20 to 30 times, Um and you know, when you add in the local bands that I used to go and see you know when we had a good local music scene going, some of the smaller regional touring bands that I'd get hip to and go check out, um, that list is pretty long. But all of that brings us to today. Um, it probably goes without saying that I'm a bit of a music junkie. Um, Spotify and SiriusXM are the two sources that I primarily get my music from but because of that i struggle to find new music and let me tell you why so streaming audio for me is a blessing and a curse it has destroyed my music discovery process but it has made all of the music that i've ever owned and then some available to me back in the day when you would go to your local music store, you'd be browsing for, you know, bootlegs or European copies or whatever. All around that, that room would be posters of upcoming releases. So you knew if a band that you had heard of had an album coming out. If you're a fan of it, you, you'd find out, you know, that you know one of your favorite bands is coming out. And then you'd go talk to the person behind the counter. And they might show you the release calendar and point out a few things to say, Hey, I know you're a fan of X, Y, and Z. You really need to check out this band. And it was very organic because it was almost like a barista knowing your order. It's like, Oh, Hey, you know what? The temperature is a little bit colder today. Maybe you want a peppermint mocha. They knew your musical taste If you were a regular and they could point things out to you that you would be hip to. And, to me, that was a very exciting time. When somebody would hit me to a band, it's like, oh, yeah, this is fantastic. Now, today, it's really easy to produce music. Anybody can produce music. And it's very easy to get it published online. Uh, the online platforms have made it easy. There are companies that help you put it online. But because of that, it's near impossible to find consistent, high-quality new music, because not everybody should produce music. Let's just put it out there. There is some hot trash, and it makes finding quality music very difficult because you have to sift through that pile to get the gems. Now, a few will pop up here and there, um, but it's very rare for an artist to grab me the way it used to when I was younger. Um, And that is why this podcast exists. In this podcast, I'm going to dive deeper into new music than I ever have before. I'm going to make a very deliberate effort to find new artists that I would normally not find. And through that process, I'm going to share my thoughts on the best of things that I find. And maybe I'll turn you on to them in the process. And hey, I'm also up for recommendations. So if you've got a song or artist that you think I need to hear, there's going to be a form for that. Um, the website for the podcast is songs songsthatdontsuck.net. There's a form that you can fill out for song and artist recommendations. I'm going to thank you in advance for sending me those. I cannot wait to hear what you're going to send me. There's other ways that I want to keep the audience involved too. One of which is... I want to do a theme each week. I want to do a top five list and I'll give you my top five based on this theme and then I want to give you the opportunity to give me your top five as well. So on that same website, songs that don't suck.net, there'll be a form for you to give me your top five songs or artists or whatever the theme is that week. Once all the votes are in, I'll aggregate the totals. I will present the groups top five the community's top five along with mine we'll see what matches what doesn't Um, it'll be an interesting experiment if nothing else Um, i'm also going to include my teenage daughters now if you listened to the trailer you'll know that i'm a father of two girls Uh, they are 17 and 13 currently my 17 year old is a music junkie the same way i am Uh, My 13-year-old is getting there. So, every couple of weeks or so, I'm going to have them on to tell me what they're listening to and see if we can find something that seems interesting. I don't know. We'll see how that works out. It'll be interesting. The girls are hilarious. Um, So, getting them on the mic for a bit will be entertaining, if nothing else. So, um, I mentioned the top five. So... Let's go ahead and throw out the theme for episode one. This gives you a month to come up with your most brilliant refined top five list of songs that make you happy. These are the songs that you put on and you have to chisel the smile off your face. They're the songs that you crank up in the summer in your car and the windows are rolled down and you don't care who hears it and you are gonna sing it at the top of your lungs. That is the top five that I need from you. So, on the website, songsthatdontsuck.net, go to the top five form, fill that out, let me know what those songs are. I have one last ask of the audience who is listening. Please share this podcast with all of your musical friends. The larger community that we build the more music we are going to discover. It's going to bring back the social aspect of music discovery. And episode one, again, will drop on January 2nd, 2023. So we've got a month to build the hype, to build the community and start something that I feel is going to be really, really amazing when we get down to it. So, top five songs that make you happy, Share this podcast with all of your musical friends. And until January 2nd, 2023, keep listening to and keep searching for Songs That Don't Suck.